Welcome everyone to the Almost Cancelled TV podcast. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. Yeah, I'm I'm still just about here. Maybe. We'll find out as we go. Yes, yes. Well, we've got a selection of things to talk about. Renewals, cancellations, premiere dates, pilot orders, all that good stuff. Hopefully. And at least one of my three topics of knowledge. Synchronized swimming? Oh, no, that, 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 that just doesn't quite make the cut. That's like, mm, fourth. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Um, yeah, uh, as far as just before we get into everything, there was a lot, of, a lot of TV stuff happened in the past week just in terms of, like, shows finishing or debuting. So, I mean, I mean, one or two of these may have been before last episode, but just in recent week or so, we've had the end of The Boys Season 3, Stranger Things Season 4, uh, we had the end of Star Trek, Strange New World Season 1, uh, reviews of all those things are all up, <laughs> go check them out. Uh, we've had the return of Better Call Saul, its second half of the season, our review of that is up, you go check that out. Um, I reviewed some pilots, I did the Resident Evil pilot. <laughs> on... Oh, did you Did you love it? It was just kind of bland and generic. And... Did, so you loved it? No, it was it was dull and boring. Uh, was it fan service-y? It was a, no, not really, it was about CW to be honest. Uh... Which is not what you want from Resident Evil. <laughs> um, is two sisters and one's been kind of bullied, and oh, I'll be there for you, sister, always. What is this? What is this? Anyway, uh, I also did the Moonhaven pilot. Uh, those were voted for uh, to be done by patrons. Uh, you know, a lot of things the last couple of weeks. Uh, in terms of not reviewed content, I did actually finish Miss Marvel's season. Um, I'd fallen behind by one, but then watched the last two episodes this week. How did you find it by the end? It's a really frustrating show. Episode one, great. Episode two, not quite as good, but still, you know, still feels like the same show. Uh, episodes three, four, and five, bleh. Episode six, oh, this is back to feeling what I wanted at the start of the show. Um, basically, there's a group of villains that are kind of introduced uh, in episode three, and they take up a lot of, like, what three, four, and five are. And I really didn't like any of that stuff. Uh, the show would be much better without it. Uh, the good news is that Kamala herself is extremely likable and charismatic. Her supporting cast, me and her family and friends, are all really likable. They've got a good sense of, like, you know, community superhero kind of thing going. Uh, so the hope is, is that for the future, uh, there's more good to come, but... Yeah, I've, I've kind of had it muted. Like, I just mute all the Marvel stuff now. Mm -hmm. um, just so it doesn't flood my timeline every week, you know, with just nonsense that I don't care about. The only thing that I saw, because it wasn't on Twitter, it was one of the Google suggested articles, was they finally dropped the uh, the uh, M word. That's good. There's spoilers here. That's a bit spoilery. Is it? That's yeah, a bit spoilery. All right. Okay. I, 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 from the the headline that I saw, it didn't seem spoilery. It's the end of the show. Like, uh, I, I will say, there's a you know, there's a there's a music sting associated uh, with something that happens right towards the end of the show that people are are freaking out about, and I think the moment is well done because it's a surprising little pull. Um, I'm too lukewarm on Marvel as a whole to just be excited because they're teasing things coming, but uh, it was it was an interesting little thing to throw in there to make people take notice. But um, yeah. I have no idea what that what that is in reference to. To be honest, with you, but that's cool. 
Yeah, uh, and then there's a little thing that teases the the Marvels movie that you know Kamal is going to be in with uh, Captain Marvel. So, you know. Oh yes, I, I forgot that was a thing. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, it's coming next year, I think. So next year, really? Yeah, the mid credit scene uh, kind of teased teased something to do with that. So yeah, uh, as far I mean, it's still one of the better ones, but like, it's a shame that half of the show, like literally three out of the six episodes, was mostly overtaken by things that I didn't like. So that is a shame, but it does suck. Uh, you know, hopeful for the future. Uh, I was really going to do a video talk about the season as a whole, but I, I realized that I didn't have enough to say. A couple of sentences here was <laughs> all I needed, but uh, yeah. So there you go, Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel also wrapped up this week. Uh, so yeah, a lot of things starting and ending uh, right now. So uh, most of what I just mentioned though it does have reviews out. So go and uh, check our reviews out. Uh, of that. Connor's on the, the Better Call Saul one. The rest are mostly me. Although Tara's with me on the Strange New Worlds finale. She was doing that show with me. So, a uh, variety of uh, things to go check out if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, let's get into the into the news. Uh, renewals to start off with. Doctor Death has been renewed for season 2 by Peacock. I have no recollection of what this is because I don't remember anything on Peacock it seems. Yeah, uh, so the new season will feature the Miracle Man storyline based on the most recent third s- season of the podcast. So uh, it's kind of anthology based, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, they've got a new showrunner as well uh, for the new season. Um, but I mean, season one, just going by the image here, had uh, Joshua Jackson and Christian Slater in it. So uh, they had some cast members. Yeah, right. I think. It's not terrible. Uh, so you're getting season two of that on Peacock. Uh, next up, season two has been uh, greenlit by FX for The Bear. Do you remember The Bear from our conversations? Is this the cooking show? Or like about a chef? It is about a chef, but do you remember why it was notable to us? I remember laughing about it a lot, but I don't remember why. It's because the description had four examples of professional and oh, personal shit. in it. Yeah, it did. That's, that <laughs> That's what this one was. Yeah, so that's getting a season two at FX, so there you go. Uh, and the, the description they put in this article is not the same one, because it doesn't have the four. I checked. When, when oh, I saw so it, you can't read it out again and, no, and, no, and, no, and no. make me die. Actually, yeah. I would die. It'd be fine, but whatever. Yeah, and there's at least one, though. There is one professional personal in there, but it's not It's not the four. That it's the not, it's not, and it's, this isn't the time of the show that you get to read those. No, just no. To, yeah, well. Of course. Uh, next up, Maya Rudolph's Loot has been renewed for season two by Apple TV. The workplace okay. comedy, yeah. I didn't really know what it was either, but <laughs> there you go. I'm not familiar with that one. That's in season two. Uh, this one I've heard of, Only Murders Left in the Building, is renewed for season three by Hulu. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was Only Murderers Left in the in the Building. But this article just says Only Murders in the Building. Mm, either you've been reading it wrong because that, cause your way makes more sense yes. if you're just reading it, so... Possible you've just been reading it wrong at a glance yes. every time you've ever seen it. It's possible it's a... Uh, what do you call that thing? The Goldstein bear thing? The Medell effect. Yes. Yeah. That, or... Uh, or they put a typo in this article, which yeah. is also possible. Yeah. And the one cancellation we have this week is Close Enough, which is a HBO Max uh, animated series that's been cancelled after three seasons. So. Okay. 
Which means it must have been there right as it started, because it's had three seasons. <laughs> I was going to say that, or it moved over from, like, ah, true, HBO yeah. itself, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it moved, yeah. Uh, and then premiere dates, we got a couple of, not, not new shows, but a couple of returning uh, shows to mention here. Uh, Chucky Season 2 is going to premiere on October 5th. Uh, so, similar time to last year, it's Halloween season. Uh, they don't want to start because it finished. Makes a bit, sense. It finished around Christmassy time last year, uh, so it's going to do the same again. Um, I wonder what they do with the, the the time period if they're even going to follow like you know real life time as they're doing it. But uh, season one was a pretty enjoyable, wacky show that followed up the the movie series, uh, the original movie series, and kind of did a lot of weird things. So kind of curious to see what season two is going to be. So that's fifth uh, of October. That's starting. And then season three of Star Trek Lower Decks is uh, coming in August. Uh, that's the 25th of August specifically. Uh, 10 episodes, season three, starting then. Uh, and I've only seen the first episode, but the, the, the general buzz is that it's actually a pretty good, you know, animated comedy Star Trek show. And up until Strange New Worlds, most people were saying it was the best of the new Trek shows. So Yeah, I, I know uh, our friend James... So it's like one of his favorite Trek things in general. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's you know, I think one of the people from Rick and Morty work on it. So it's just, you can kind of have an idea of like, you know, you're Rick and Morty, Futurama style, but with Star Trek. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll probably binge the seasons that are exist at some point when I'm in the mood, but it's not been a... It's all on Prime, something like that. Uh, well, I'll be on Paramount Plus uh, soon. Oh, if, yeah. Uh, sure. If it's not I, already... I I forgot all about that. Yeah, Paramount Plus has launched in more places, including the UK. So They keep telling me I can have a free trial. I can go watch Halo. And then I'm like, yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that is just season three of that. Uh, we do have a few trailers to discuss this week. Uh, so we'll start off with... I have to admit the biggest of the three. Mm-hmm. is The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is a clunky title, but whatever. Uh, yes, I, I will grant you that. <laughs> well, just, I mean, it's the first TV show. You could just call it Lord of the Rings and it wouldn't matter that it's the same name as the movies because it's a TV show. Or just call it The Rings of Power and just, like, it'll look like Lord of the Rings. Well, People will know it's, it's connected. I think you probably could have got away with just The Rings of Power. I, I understand why you don't call it just Lord of the Rings because you don't want people to think it's an adaptation just of sure. Lord of the Rings and also... That's a bit more awkward to search for, right? Lord of the Rings TV show would would still come up, but if you search Rings of Power, you're going to get much more specific things, I think. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so there's a trailer here. I didn't really know what was going on. It was a bunch of wigs, uh, some fantastical looking like locations, and you know the cheesy, uh, typical monologue about fate and destiny and purpose or some shit. I, th- <laughs> I, I thought it looked pretty great. My, I was a very concerned in the first few seconds when a, a music cue comes in, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Rivendell theme. I think it's part of the Rivendell music, uh, from from the first movie. Riverdale. And I was, wow. This is I'm getting confused. What? Riverdale music. Rivendell. It's Riverdale. The, yeah. Yeah. Yes. The 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 Elvish city that that that, that they're in. Um, but I was concerned because like, yeah, I kind of wanted them to distance themselves as much as I love Howard Shaw's music for those movies. They are, you know, some of the best music ever created for films. 
I did kind of want them to distance themselves from it a little bit and kind of do their own thing. Um, the rest of the trailer was fine in terms of the music, but that it was it was the very first you know little cue that comes in at the very start of the trailer. Yeah, but when they play this from that, when they play this in places though, because I'm assuming they're going to put this in like movies theaters as well. Um, not 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 playing with the movie trailers, but you often get TV trailers during the ads at uh, yeah. uh, cinemas. Um, I suspect that the point of that is that immediately you hook people because they recognize that little sting of music, and then. I just yeah. thought it was an interesting choice because I don't think it's the most recognizable piece of music from from those movies. Um, I, I don't know how many people like you know you you, you feel playing that just on the street to someone. I don't know how many of them will go. Yeah, that's that's Lord of the Rings music. But maybe maybe in the context, it'll work anyway for for most people. I remember that's the point is not to use one of the obvious big two or three themes and to try to take one of the lesser ones and yeah. expand upon it. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't it really have great. much to say. I, You know, it's like I see these settings and I, I start to fall asleep. Like, it's just... Oh, we got, you know, obviously younger characters of who were familiar, well, who some of us are familiar with from the movies, not Pete, obviously. Uh, you know, you got Galadriel's obviously the, the main one in this trailer, but you, you, you got Elrond in there, you got Sildur and Elendil, which which tells you a lot about the, the time period. This is kind of the rise of Sauron, is presumably what this show is going to be telling. Um, which is exciting. There's there's uh, some stuff that we maybe interested because there, there's one point you see like a, a comet shooting down around the not hobbits. I thought what they called them. I think they're like half foots or something. The, the the hobbit ancestors, but visually is very similar to the description of. Gandalf arriving in Middle Earth, but that doesn't quite line up with the timeline. So either they're changing things a little bit in the timeline, or um, or or they're doing something very slightly different. I'm not sure, but intriguing uh, for me anyway. I'm so happy for you. That was me hoping for a second that because of the asteroid, there was going to be. Oh, we're just going to leave the planet and go into space and be a sci-fi show instead, and just leave. No, 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 no. We 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 leave Numenor and go to Middle Earth. But what? Where's <laughs> Numenor? <laughs> Numenor is like that big, massive city with all the men in it that you see early on in the trailer. Is that not in Middle um, Earth? No, it's across the sea. So Middle Earth's the continent, essentially. I thought Middle Earth was the whole thing. No. No. It's not. Wait, so they actually they're on Earth. The, the planet's called Earth. It's complicated. If, you, if Tolkien had a whole theory, it like <laughs> jotted down in notes that so the Third Age was where the Lord of the Rings was set, and essentially that's like his take on a historical Earth. And again, not literal historical because it was like a mythologized version. But then I think essentially in his timeline we would be in the fifth age right now or maybe this a bit i think maybe the fifth age ended with world war Two. we might be in like the sixth age now uh but yes they're in earth a a, a version of earth essentially this is absolutely fascinating yeah i know absolutely fascinating Ah, uh, dear. The gobbledygook that was cut out of your mouth when you were listing character names you recognized i'm like these all just sell nonsense words none of these are names they're all names. They're all names from a linguist. 
Where's, where's, where's Fred and Sally? Or I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was Sam not good enough for you? Uh, you haven't mentioned Sam. Well, no, but I'm from 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 the films. Sam. Aye, but he's mates with Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, but it, it's still. I picked the most normal one on purpose. Stop undermining it. <laughs> Frodo. Is that that weird? Frodo. <laughs> yeah, it's like very old English, similar to. Uh-huh. Like Germanic English back then, like well, Saxon stuff. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, to American Gigolo, which is the trailer it's for... significantly less interesting. For a Showtime series starring John Berntel. Uh Yeah, so he's... he's uh, it's actually a reimagining of a 1980 film, which I'm not particularly familiar with. Uh, but he is a, a, you know, a gigolo who is framed for murder, gets out like 15 years later once they, they've realised, oh shit, he never did it. Uh, so they let him out. And it's about him getting back into the Jiggle game, whilst clearly there is a you know a search for who the real killers are, why the person was killed, so on and so on. Um, he was framed because it seems like he he thought he'd done it as well. Yeah, because he wakes up next to the dead body, so he's he's not sure what's happened necessarily. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what's weird is that the detective or investigator who's looking into everything is played by a very weirdly out of place, uh, Rosie O'Donnell. That's a bit weird. Just, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's like wait, what? what? What was happening here? Um, But yeah, so... Yeah, very, very odd. Uh, It's got kind of a... You know, it looks like a Showtime show. It's got like... It's trying to feel cool. A bit sleazy. Very edgy looking. It, yeah. It doesn't look like it has much to actually set it apart. No. I, if anything, the biggest thing that it's really got is John Bernthal in the lead role. And, you know, it looks like he's bringing it. Like, he's going to... Be John I'm That's not that exciting for me, at least personally. I, I, I don't dislike him, but he's not enough of a draw for me either. Nothing about the the way it was sort of teasing the mystery of who killed the the you know, the, the woman in the in the backstory was all that exciting. There was a lot of shots of it seemingly in his backstory, which makes me think it's going to be like a two timeline thing. Mm, perhaps unless know. it's like a a lot of early stuff, and then we jump ahead. Yeah, unless maybe the the like we spend the entire first episode perhaps like up until the yeah. kill and then it jumps ahead after that, yeah. Uh, which maybe it does, maybe it does. But... Yeah, I, I could see that. That could be a choice they made. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not particularly feeling it overall. It isn't like the worst thing ever, but it also looks like it's going to be a like I don't know. I would say it looks like trash. I think that's a bit too harsh, but it definitely looks like just a Showtime show. Yes, it looks generic for a Showtime show, which. Is not the like the lowest of the low in terms of their quality bar, but it it, it doesn't look like a must watch either. At least not for us, I don't think. Maybe maybe if you're really into these style of shows, maybe ha- having another one of these that's great. Yeah, there's a lot of shots of him putting on fancy suits and walking f- from like fancy cars, and you know, look at us, we're all glamorous and he's yeah. hip and cool and all that stuff. Uh, so there's that. Uh, then another trailer we looked at was Five Days at Memorial, which is an Apple TV Plus show uh, based on a true story. Um, it's uh, basically a hospital during Hurricane Katrina where there's some questions about some of the patients at this hospital, whether or not they died naturally uh, or via the disaster in this like five-day period or if some of the medical staff chose to end their life for 
possibly out of mercy reasons rather than anything else. Oh, that's what the trailer told me anyway. <laughs> the trailer was teasing this sort of like moral question of do you leave a patient to die slowly because they can't be evacuated or do you make them comfortable and end it quickly for them before you leave? Uh, yeah. That seemed to be what the, the trailer was hitting at. Uh, I wasn't expecting, when I heard about this show, I wasn't expecting so much so much big budget kind of like, you know, disaster movie looking shots of like, the yeah. water coming in. I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, honestly, the trailer made me feel a bit uncomfortable with how much it focused on that stuff because it's like, you know, when you get like, you know, the, the odd thing that's set with like 9-11 where it's like, eh, mm. like I feel like this, like, it's not like, relatively speaking, it's not that long ago. This still like affected a lot of people that, you know, people remember this pretty well and yeah, people lost family members who are still... Right, and this had like literally decades-long impact on the community there. And, I, I don't know. Like, it, this felt like, hey, we're going to play up the disaster movie side of it a lot. And that just felt a little bit uncomfortable for me. Yeah, like... I think, you know, the comparison to 9-11 is interesting because I feel like, yeah, whenever they want to... Like, allude to the fact that they were that they're in that setting or this is happening, like, to generally speaking the way i prefer they handle that is either you see just the real news footage of the of the time like playing on tv or you just kind of like have it like off like you don't see it directly you don't do literal shots of it happening you yeah. you know i'm thinking of like you know scenes in like travelers when they did something you know we don't mm-hmm. see the impact directly. you just see sort of the aftermath and kind of realize oh that's what, where we are and what we're doing yeah uh, or something like that, yeah. So having uh, having these big CG shots of water, like you know, going through the streets and like people screaming for their lives, it just kind of feels a bit. Uh... Yeah, obviously, I'm not saying you can't show these moments. Um, like I'm not saying you should avoid them entirely. Uh, just I don't know, as a trailer, it felt like it was like, hey, look at this budget, look at all this, all all this stuff we've done. It, it felt was, like it was, yeah, for playing ha- it up a bit. Half the trailer felt like a Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah, and that, I, that's the wrong tone to be striking. I think with this, yeah, especially since it, the the moral question that it wants to kind of poke at as the trailer goes on about like the choices that may have been made with these patients in the hospital, like that is actually an interesting moral debate to to, to be having depending on the context. It is, and from what I can gather of it, it seems to be most of the show should be in that you know the aftermath right not mm. in the event itself it's okay yes we're flooded yes there's all this disastrous stuff going on yeah courtroom but... drama where you see like when they're talking you flash back and we see yeah there'll be a lot of it in the hospital not in the moment of everything happening itself so the fact that we spent so much of the trailer on that was a little uncomfortable and yeah unnecessary. Was... And i hope it's not like that for the whole show yeah there was a lot of shots of like people going through water and like, even like riot police like pointing guns at them and i was i was sort of thinking like when does this take place in the context of the what this, the focus of the story is? Because it feels like it's not necessarily, and it may be like maybe if you watch the show, it'll feel completely relevant when it actually does come up. And maybe it's just a montage of things. This is what's going on as the main things are happening, and that'd be fine. But because the trailer's so full of it, it just kind of feels like, oh wait, when is this all going to come into play? Yeah, it's it's weird for for a show that the premise is such a this moral quandary, which is perfectly valid you know thing to set your show in it felt like a very action heavy trailer like it was and it it just felt unnecessary to me but but maybe maybe you know this is all this could be a trailer problem yeah this could be just 10 or 15 minutes in that first episode and then it's out the way and then the rest of the show is great it could be but i still think it was a bad choice for this trailer yeah 
I, I, I honestly, this, this could genuinely just be a great show. I mean, I don't know if it is. I mean, it may be terrible, but it mm-hmm. could be a great show exploring this idea. It's just that the trailer, they decided to give it a trailer as if it was an action movie, and it doesn't really work. Yeah, it's also the sort of thing where I'm not entirely sure why they decided to set it on such specific true events. Yeah, they could have just done a similar stylus thing. Yeah, like the, if if your show is what do the what do doctors do in a you know a natural disaster? You know, I think they, they, they said, oh, you got some narrations. Like, should should I, you know, uh, end their lives and you know be mercy and you know give them a, a painless death, or should I leave them and you know leave them to suffer and die slowly and painfully for days? Like, if that's your premise, which is you know that that's kind of, that was the, the the ethos of the show. You could have done that with anything. It didn't have to be, let's choose, right, Hurricane Katrina. Let's choose, you know, a specific event. I think this is less a creative problem with the people designing the show and more about just a, a larger problem of, like, things based on true stories, like, sell well yeah. because it's it's sexier and it's more provocative. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, So, yeah. Uh, the show might be fine. The show, the show you yeah. know, Vera Farmiga is, uh, is the lead. Um, And I often think she's pretty good, so... Uh, the show could be good, but I do think it's a poorly toned trailer for for what it is ultimately, at least what I think it's supposed to be. Anyway, yes, uh, what we're assuming it's supposed to be. Uh, so, oh, some other tidbits. Then we have uh, a title finally for the boys' spinoff. This is the the college set, you know, college for for supers. Uh, yes, <laughs> boy show. Uh, the title is actually kind of genius. It's called. Gen V. That's good. Yes. Uh, if you don't watch The Boys and don't get why that's good, it's because the serum that's given everyone superpowers is called Compound V. Uh, so Gen V is uh, a play on, obviously, you know, Gen X, Gen Z, whatever. Uh, and that. So, yeah, it's just a fun thing, especially since we're... Because you tend to only talk about Gen something, usually when you're talking about the younger generation, so... It's interesting to see them them use it here, so that's uh, quite funny. I know um w- when it was pitched, uh, you know, a couple of years ago at this point, um, it sounded a lot like a, their take on like a an X Men style thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what was the quote earlier? Was they, they called it a, a college show crossed with something specific? And I don't know if, if it'll be in that article you've got there. Uh, I don't know if it is, but uh, it says it's going to be a roller coaster filled with blood, guts, and everything else. Uh, set in America's only college exclusive for young adult superheroes, run by Vought International. That's a good important point. Gen V purports to be an R-rated series. Not surprising, given the boys that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities. It's part college show, ah, part Hunger Games. Uh, that was it, Hunger Games. Because I remember th- seeing it and going, huh, that's interesting. Not necessarily like, oh, exciting, but it changed my perception of what the show might be. Because that, you know, Hunger Games brings its own set of connotations to it that definitely changed it from just being this, you know, the boys' edgy I, I... take on, on X-Men. I can kind of see how it fits in, though. Like if this idea that they're all competing for like the best contracts and like you know sponsorships yes. and stuff, I can see Vought wanting to like stoke them into like yeah, like show you're better than the rest of them. So yeah, I can see it. Um, definitely interesting. And uh, from I think, I think uh, Kripke, the showrunner, uh, otherwise was talking 
recently and kind of implied this is kind of must essential watching. Mm. Uh, this is going to run with plot threads from the season three of the boys. Uh, the uh, the the camp the, the presidential campaign will be like running through the background of this. Oh, that's uh, cool. And, that's something we sort of... and said, and and then he did say that you know this will then you know bounce back into season four of the boys. We'll pick up on stuff that's in this show. So this is coming next. I do like the idea that because we've got something that would be on TV that we know about from the boys, the idea that it'll just you know, the campaign will just be on TV occasionally in the background when they're they're doing stuff uh, yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if a character or two from this does end up in season four of the boys for necessity's sake, depending on what's going on. So I can see, I can already see, you know, like hypothetically, you know, the winner of the the big contract competition gets a shot at being in the seven, for example. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It has potential, so here's uh, hoping. Uh, next up, Criminal Minds, uh, which has been sort of in the works to have a revival for a while. Uh, it's finally official. Um, Paramount Plus is is doing this this revival. Uh, it, you know, ran for a long time. Uh, six of the original cast, or at least. I shouldn't say original, because I don't know if they were all there from the start, because it ran for a long time. But six of the cast that were on the show, the original version of the show... The core are, cast, yes, shall we say. Yes. Are, ...are coming back. Uh, so that's... And this is part of why it's taken a while. They had to get everyone lined up. I actually recognise, like, half of these names, which is, just surprised me, to be honest. Uh, so Joe Maten, Mat, Matengna? Matengna? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, uh, Kirsten uh, Vangsness? That one's also you're, you're having a great job tonight. I know. Adam Rodriguez, and then the three that I actually recognize, AJ Cook, Aisha Tyler, and Padgett Brewster. I know those three. Yeah. From all the things. I know Aisha Tyler was in the... Uh, she joined fairly late in the show, I think. Well, as mm. I said, like, it was a long show. She, she, I'm sure she was still there for, like, seasons. Yes. But, relatively speaking, late. Yes. So, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're going ahead with this. Um cool i guess i mean i don't really care but uh it, yeah, like yeah. A... it was your favorite show of all time isn't it <laughs> oh yeah hi sure <laughs> uh but you know it seemed like something of big enough name value to to note uh so that is that uh also quite a little tidbit jeff goldblum is replacing hugh grant on a netflix series called chaos and honestly i just kind of chuckled because jeff goldblum in jurassic park does nothing but talk about chaos not spelled the that same is- way but that is not the one for one swap I would have expected. <laughs> when I think, okay, you need a replacement for Hugh Grant. Jeff Goldblum is not who my mind goes to. Yeah. So the spelling here probably makes sense if you know Greek mythology. It's a darkly comedic Greek mythology reimagined series, Chaos. So it's K A O S. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's uh, replacing Hugh Grant, uh, who's pulled out due to date availability. So nothing nefarious around just that too would have made me really fast because assuming that okay i'm like okay this is a jeff goblin role now and i should expect if let's say that he was a reasonable fit the whole time that's why they've pulled him in that makes me fascinated to see what hugh grant would have done in it because it's not a typical hugh grant role i would say no he's playing zeus by the way goblin oh oh my god i love it i love the show already i'm gonna watch the hell out of this mm, bet you will uh, so there you go, that's uh, Chaos, now starring Jeff Goldblum. Uh, happy days. Most anticipated show of the year. Yeah, it is, it is. All right, uh, so just before I get to the comedies and dramas that are, we're talking about this week, I'll just make this tightest time to mention patreon.com slash TV if you want to support all the content and keep everything coming. Um, this TV news is 
most weeks now, assuming we can get it done in time, will be up early on a Saturday and then go public on the Sunday. So if you want it a day early, uh, that's the $5 tier over at patreon.com slash TV. But it obviously helps support all the other reviews and movie podcasts and everything else we do. Uh, which also means I should mention Melfuzz Movies, where's where the movie podcasts live. Uh, I do one with Tim, we're about horror movies, one with Tara, about sci-fi movies. So, go and have a look. Okay, mid-show plugging is... I need to pay attention again now, yeah? It's finished, yes. Uh, so, first comedy up this week is Amazon Freevee, I'll get used to that name, uh, is given a straight-to-series order to a remake of a British comedy called Friday Night Dinner. Um, Oh. I'd never heard of this. You know this? Oh, I, I've seen not all of it, but a good amount, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of this. It's a Channel 4 show, apparently. Uh, it's uh, one of the in-betweeners not long after the in-betweeners finished. Ah. Is that how long the in-betweeners has not been on? Is that there's been a 10-year show it, it's, that starred one of them we, after that finished? <laughs> yeah, we had two movies as well, remember? That even the second movie was like... A while ago now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't like him between us. I didn't really watch it, so... Uh, oh, bullshit. When, when, I have no idea when that second movie was. I've, I've got to check. I'm pretty sure it was on when I was in school. 2014 was the second movie, so that was, okay. what, eight years ago. All right, well, fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, so the idea is this is like... I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but uh, it sounds like it's the family dinner every Friday, uh, and the plot just kind of revolves around them at the dinners. Yeah, they got like the the family drama of the week, the neighbor that shows up. Okay, Think, okay. You know, just just general nonsense. Yeah. What's interesting is this is actually the fourth attempt to remake it in the US. This is the first one that's gotten past the developmental stage for some oh, reason. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so Freevee is a. Uh, <laughs> yes, is that the... is. Uh, yeah, real real promising. I don't know. I, I I quite like the original show from what I've seen. I've seen probably. Two or three seasons, which is probably about half the show. But uh, yeah, no, it, it it was it's good. I'd, I'd recommend checking it out if you like British sitcoms. Yeah, the US version will be a single camera half hour comedy. Two brothers who go to their parents for dinner once a week. Yeah, that sounds like the same yeah. thing, pretty much. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty broad premise. You can kind of do a lot with that. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, Next up, now I've put this with the comedies because I'm assuming this comedy doesn't actually say one way or the other, but mm, okay. given that it's based on an Instagram account, <laughs> and, I hate this already. And Keenan Thompson's like company's the one producing it. I feel like I'm going to lean to comedy. So I hate this. I hate whatever this is. My therapist says is an Instagram account with 7.5 million followers. And it's been developed into a live-action series. That's all it says, live-action series. So I'm going with comedy, but they can correct mm-hmm. me later if they wish. Uh, so, yeah. SNL star Keenan Thompson and John Ryan Jr., uh, their company is Artists for Artists. They're doing it. Uh, so it marks one of the most high-profile Instagram accounts to be developed as a series and follows a number of Twitter accounts back in the day that were turned into TV shows such as William Shatner's Shit My Dad Says. Although that didn't last for... I thought that was really bad. I don't think it lasted very long. But, uh... Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the Twitter account is meant to be funny, but the TV show, less so. Well, yes, because things that you read on a tweet, <laughs> that, which at the time would have been 140 characters, can give you a small chuckle. Yes. Do not necessarily hold up to a 20-minute episode of a TV show. Well, this viral account is operated by co-founders Lola Tash, Nicole... Uh, Aridris, Nora Tash, and Gina Tash. I thought 
Why, why is the one who's not named Tash in the middle of that list? Put put them at the end, or put them at the start. Put, put, put all the Tashies together, is yes, what you Because then I could just say Laura, Nora, and Gina Tash. What were their parents thinking? <laughs> I love how they're like, two of them rhyme, and there's like, uh, and then Gina. Also, like, the irony of having the last name Tash, but you don't have a bunch of boys who all have moustaches. <laughs> Well, maybe they do. They're just not involved in this Instagram account. Oh, maybe they do, yeah. Maybe there's some brothers who have moustaches, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the Tash family and Nicole... <laughs> Friend the of the account. family, Nicole. Yes. Uh, it was launched in 2015 and features memes focused on mental health and general messiness of life. Uh, they'll produce the series alongside Thompson and Ryan Jr., uh, also wrote a book on the account called My Therapist Says Advice You Should Probably Not Follow. So Right. Yeah. I, I'm very cynical about yes. this, obviously. I understand why people follow that as an Instagram account. Right. Mm-hmm. I understand going, oh hey, I'll, you know, you'll 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 scroll through your feed and a meme will pop up every so often and you'll go, huh, little chuckle, whatever. That makes perfect sense to me. I follow shit posting pages on, on Twitter and Facebook, right? That that makes sense to me. I wouldn't want any of those to be a TV show. Uh, uh, just on memes, I saw something this week. Um, it was basically like, you know, it, you can't guess a Wheel of Fortune without any characters, right? And it was a screenshot from, you know, probably an ancient episode. It just happens, you know, people just doing the rounds in the recent years because of something. Mm-hmm. And like, now you can do it. Just look at this one. And it was like, you know, 80s song and you look at all the blank spaces and you go it's Rick Astley <laughs> yeah yeah. I, you didn't have to say anything I was like I know what it is damn it yeah it's clearly never going to give you up never going <laughs> to so yeah, yeah the, you know it, it, I just I just popped it in my head. I had to share it with the world I mean it's been going around for a while I think I saw it again though this week and I just, just it made me chuckle again just, just on that song, we have like a a playlist at work for you know our own like place of like mostly shit music that we put on at the end of the night just to like have on in the background that's not the work playlist and it's got something like 400 songs in it yet still rick astley never going to give you up manages to work itself into the shuffle <laughs> most nights i don't know how it does it but it always just just comes on at some point in the night that's it's always funny oh well there you go uh so yes this is so it's a bunch of memes uh that are getting turned into a tv show um, it's gonna be terrible. <laughs> I, so- I, I, won't, I do not blame any of the, the 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 people behind the page for doing this because I'm sure they get a pretty healthy payout. Yes, I yes. take it. There's, a, there's some quotes here from some of them. Lola Tash said, "Nicole, Nora, and Gina, I created my therapist says with only a dream, and it grew and resonated with people in the most remarkable of ways." We are first and foremost advocates for mental health and will continue to explore and eliminate the importance of mental health in organic and humorous ways in this series. Does anyone really start an account on Instagram or Twitter and go, I'm starting this account because I have a dream? I don't know. They probably do now. They may do now because people are getting successful and making money. I mean, I think they're more allowed to style on TikTok these days, but yeah. Yes. Uh, But there you go. That's... uh... My my therapist says. I mean, I don't know if the show's going to be called that, but uh, that's, the that's not a terrible it. name for a TV show, though. So nah, that's all right. I yeah. can see them using it. It's not bad. All right, on to our, our batch of dramas for for the week. Uh, so first up, Andrew Garfield is going to star uh, in 
an FX. Oh, sorry, I just, I just got nominated for an FX. Oh, that's a good point. I was going to get the Emmy nominations up and talk about those as well. Oh, uh, well, we can do them at the end. We can do them at the end. I was going to do that. I was, honestly, that would have probably been like at the start of the show if I'd remembered to get the page up for it. But The only thing I know about them is one person finally got the nomination they deserve. Do you know who I'm on about? Gary Busey? Yeah, but that's a good answer. Uh, well, Pear Judge is an incredible feat of television. I'm just I agree. And it, it deserves an Emmy every year. Yes. Anyway, so yes, uh, Andrew Garfield is going to be in Hot Air, which is a, a new uh, limited series uh, that David Leach is going to direct for Universal, uh, and he's going to play Richard Branson. Okay. <laughs> six part, sure. The six-part limited series Hot Air is based on the book uh, Dirty Tricks uh, by award-winning investigative journalist Martin Gregory. Uh, it tells the story of billionaire Branson and the fascinating, outrageous rise of Virgin Airways. Uh, yes, I know because I need some history about Virgin Airways, but... Uh... That sounds like such an Andrew Garfield project. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know if I care enough to watch it, but interesting casting. I'll give them that. Yeah, I don't have too much to, to add. Uh... Yeah, uh, I don't really know a whole lot about Brad. I mean, obviously, I know his name. You know, I know his like what his stature is. But you know, I I say I know a lot about him. And like a like, is he a prick? Like some of the other billionaires that I, that seem to. Oh yeah, I just assume about. so. Yeah, I mean, you can assume he's a he, prick. He comes across. He, I, I assume he is, but he has a a public persona of being very fairly yeah. charismatic. I guess. I know he's the one with the island. He's got his own little island. Yeah, that he, that he stays on with his own laws and tax rules or whatever. Yeah, if you could, if you could afford it, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm not necessarily blaming him, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, does he tax himself? I don't know. Maybe Probably he does. Not. Maybe he just does it for the uh, the outrageous idea of bookkeeping taxes for himself. Like, oh, did I pay this shit? I did. Oh, pat in the back, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's hot air. Uh, okay. That's a bit farry. <laughs> so that was on FX. No, no, no. The show that you just got nominated for was on FX. That's oh, not, okay. That's not got a network yet. Universal are behind this, so it could end up on your Peacock. It could end up on your USA uh, network it or whatever. Could end up anywhere, really. Though it could end um, up anywhere, but if you if you're going to go with like someone tied to the production company, uh, if if it was tied to them, I, I I assume they'd want it on Peacock to try and like. Mm promote serious content so they can kind of like hey you know we got some prestigious dramas that we can compete with apple and netflix right yes come see the star of amazing spider-man 2 play richard branson and hot air hey amazing spider-man's having a resurgence and you know it uh, yeah yeah uh all right next up lionsgate tv and paramount plus so I presume Paramount Plus will be the place where it goes. Uh, are developing a series based on Warrior. And there's a few things called Warrior, so I'll, I'll be specific here as to which one it is. Uh, Warrior being the Tom Hardy MMA movie from about mm. 2011. Uh, Gavin O'Connor, uh, who worked on the original film, is turning it into a 10-episode series. Uh, but potential more seasons. It's not a limited series. Uh, for Lionsgate TV, uh, and Paramount Plus are developing it. Um, so, and he's in talks with, uh, retired two-time UFC champion Daniel Cormier 
and Gina Rodriguez, sorry, to play two of the four main characters in the show. Um, it's not an adaptation of the movie. It's not the same characters. It's kind of like taking the idea of building drama around the sport and sort of going further with it, rather than you know taking those. You know, the movie's done. The movie is what it is. Uh, this is. Probably the smarter choice, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say this is better. Like, I, I would much rather it tries to say, okay, let's sort of take the, the general idea and do something new with it rather than, oh, we're just going to lavishly, you know, somehow Palpatine returned. Like, you know, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, honestly, like, if they had decided to just retell that story, they probably could have got away with it because I've not seen it, but I'm assuming it follows a pretty typical sports movie trajectory. It's just got the, 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 the specific sort of hook, which is the, the two, so it's... Tom Hardy and Edgerton and their brothers, and they sort of like are separated, and their father sort of made them like fight each other a lot as a kid, and then sure. they end up in the finals of a tournament together, and it's kind of right. Uh, okay, uh, broad strokes though. That's sports movie. Yeah, yeah. you uh, can turn that into a TV show, like a ten episode show, and that would work probably perfectly fine. Like you, you could have adapted that pretty directly. Yeah. So Connor is creating it with Adair Cole, who will be EP and co showrunner on it as well. Um, and apparently it was it was him that convinced O'Connor to sort of like come back to the the idea and sort of do something else with it. He was you know, he was like he'd done his movie. He was content. <laughs> like he he wasn't necessarily going to do more. Uh, but the series is is different from the original film. It's connective tissue as MMA and the heart, desperation, and demons that compel fighters to excel in the cage. The film starred Tom Hardy and Joel Egerton and Nick Nolte, the latter of whom trained his two sons and was an awful father who created grudges between the brothers that get settled in the ring. In drama, there was much about family, faith, and dysfunctional upbringings as fighting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a ball. You could have that. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, yeah, they're going to do something new with it. Um, Ultimately I- empty. I think it's interesting to take something that works as a sports movie and then turn it into an ongoing thing because, you know, you can have, like, different tournaments each season, but that can't be the only thing it's about because otherwise it just would get repetitive. So, yeah, uh, I, I think it's crea- creatively a bit challenging in a good way for, the, for them to mm-hmm. tackle it this way. So, uh, so cool. Uh, there you go. That's, uh, that's the Warrior. Uh, so that's something that... Uh, Paramount Plus may have its hands on very, very soon. So cool. Next up, uh, Apple TV Plus is getting ready with Ferrari, a TV show from Stephen Knight, who created Peaky Blinders, which I've never seen. It doesn't appeal to me, but I do love the movie Stephen Knight did starring Tom Hardy, just to bring up Tom Hardy again, who's the, the honorary guest of this, this episode, apparently. Uh, Locke. Yeah. Locke's fantastic. I love Locke. Phenomenal movie. And Peaky Blinders has been on my to watch list in, in but i've seen bits and pieces mostly that have been used for memes uh, and i know just enough that i'm like yeah I, I might enjoy it but also i might be bored by it so i've kind of put it off but maybe i'll give it a try just because stephen knight and you know Killian murphy's pretty good he did another show with tom hardy that we did watch the first episode of and i really didn't like it that was taboo right yeah that's the one yeah yeah, yeah, that so, was just Tom Hardy mumblecore, though. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of what I'm worried about. I'm worried that Peaky Blinders is just uh, Kelly and Murphy mumblecore. <laughs> no, no, from the little clips that I've seen, okay. <laughs> he is very animated and oh, expressive. Right, right, right. Very vocal, is he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, created and written by Night Ferrari is based on uh, Luca Del Monte Ferrari Rex. Uh, so that's the name of the book that he did, <laughs> clearly. Uh, and it'll examine how, in the pursuit of pure speed, 
the driver and the entrepreneur dedicated to his genius to building the fastest racing car in history, but left a trail of tragedy and torment along the way. Between 1956 and 1961, deeply wounded by the death of his firstborn son, Dino, and by what considered by a trail by his lead driver, uh, Juan Manuel Fan- Fangio? I'll say. Uh, Ferrari rebuilt his racing team from scratch, selecting five promising rising stars of motor racing to fight for victory. This is also possibly a bit of a Smurfs movie vibe to it as well. <laughs> I'm reading the, uh, the rest of no, that. I agree. Uh, 100% feels like sports movie stuff, mm. which I, 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 you know, it's not necessarily a, a genre I gravitate towards, but I do appreciate how they work on TV pretty well, especially as limited series, like if you just do it as a as a yeah. season at a time. Um, I think cause a lot of the problems I have with sports movies are that middle section where you've got to ha- go through them winning a section, you know, a bunch of fights, races, games, whatever it is, you know, getting towards the end of the tournament. And it, it always feels like, for me anyway, it feels like there's this accelerated pacing in like that middle third of every of most sports movies, not all of them. I feel like spreading that out over six, eight, ten episodes of a TV show lets you actually explore that a little bit more. And you don't just have, here's the series of wins. You can actually have some ups and downs over the course of a season or whatever the tournament is. Yeah, I think it's funny to me that I, I like this feels like a prequel to uh, Ford v Ferrari because <laughs> that's that's Le Mans sixty six. Mm-hmm. So this is like, oh, this is only like you know, I mean, if it says between fifty six and sixty one, this is just this is going to end five years before that. So when Ferrari became the dominant force in, yeah. you know, race car driving, which essentially tells you just with your even your cursory knowledge of history, yes. thanks to a movie that was a couple of years ago, you kind of know. Well, this ends with some success on his part. Yeah, which that movie's really annoying though, because for some reason in Europe they decided to change the title to Le Mans '66, and it's like I get that maybe that's like less dumb as a title because Ford v Ferrari sounds a bit you know Hollywood, but it's just annoying having different titles for searchability's sake. I agree with that. I like. I think Le Mans '66 is a bad title, and I think they're they're assuming, I guess, that Europeans, generally speaking, will know will will have more frame of reference for that. Whereas Ford v Ferrari is a lot more simplistic, right? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, let's just pick one, it's fine. Steve McQueen was in a movie called The Man, and that was called that in the US. So, I mean, you know, like, yeah. are they saying people have gotten dumber in the last 40 years? I mean, maybe they have. <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen the evidence for that in my own eyes. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is a thing that's coming. This is a Ferrari TV show. Uh, so hopefully it looks pretty good as well i think you know if you're doing a a sports show or your movie it's important that, that you capture the sport make it look good on camera and we don't really speak about that with the, the fine one but i think this goes for both those shows that i hope the the, the visual element of just you know showing the, the 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 fights or the the races in this case looks good hmm yeah um all right, so uh, one last article before we get to Emmy nominations then, uh, since we're apparently wrapping the shop with that this week. Uh, this has a few shows in it, though. Uh, okay. It's a kind of a selection. Uh, so Julie Pleck is ramping up development uh, with a bunch of shows, um, including an adaptation of a young adult novel. Um, I'm not so sure any of these are going to be to our our liking, necessarily. But, <laughs> um, well, then, hit me. Yeah, but... Um, 
Uh, so Julie Plek is the co-creator of the Vampire Diaries. Just to put this in, give me some expectations here. Uh, so the first okay. pro- the first project is called Clifton, and it's based on Margaret Peterson Haddix's novel Running Out of Time. The series, which is in the works of the NBCU streamer Peacock, so this is a Peacock show. So uh, I can forget this ever existed, like everything else with Peacock. Follows a seventeen-year-old Jazzy Smith who was born and raised in the idyllic island village of Clifton, a sanctuary for runaway slaves and others who fled the United States at the height of the Civil War. Oh, it's in the past. I didn't even realize it was in the past until I said that part. Uh, When a mysterious stranger from the mainland washes up on the shore, Jazzy learns the truth about the island's origins and it shatters everything she thought she knew to be true. Hmm. Hmm. I think that counts as the, the secret. Yeah, the... God damn it, they're gonna make me finish this bottle with this story on there. <laughs> this article. Oh dear. Something about your past is not what it seems. <laughs> uh so that's Clifton. Uh Briar Parks writer, uh, Aisha Porter Christie, uh has also worked on Amazon spin-off The Boys, is adapting uh the script. Um so yeah, you got some different people there involved. Um Next up, we have Douglas Medical. No, <laughs> this, this is silly. thrilling. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good title, is it? It's a very no. Uh... It's, it's really bad. Uh, Douglas follow... is a pretty bad name on its own as well. Then you throw medical. So it follows Doctor Vanessa Pilgrim, who, when she suffers a devastating professional scandal, she's forced to return home <laughs> to Washington D.C. <laughs> yes, returning is that... home is the premise of the show. That's a drinking rule for you. <laughs> I've got well, one more out of this bottle and then I've got to find another one that's debatable I think but yeah sure that's a small one I admit uh, so she's forced to return home to Washington DC to build a new life as associate chief of emergency medicine at Douglas University Hospital that's not that bad sounding for someone who's just suffered a scandal to be honest oh, how dare they have to go to a, a, a new place and, and build yeah. a nice fancy career associate chief I mean that sounds reasonable uh, a struggling teaching hospital on the campus of the historically black college. The only problem is the job comes with whispers of nepotism, pressure from her mother, who is the dean of Douglas Medical School, mm. and a reckoning with an 18-year-old secret. <laughs> so, hang on. <laughs> the secret is one. I, I acknowledge. Yeah. So I got yes. that one. The question is, does involving the mother in this is it worded enough to be personal and professional? Or is it just like two elements that they have thrown into the description? I'll, 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 I'll give you a pass on it, mainly just because it says whispers of nepotism and the fact that then our mother's involved. I feel like it's at least tying enough. You could argue that just that it being our mother is enough to say that you're bringing family and professional together, but I'll give it a pass. But you got the secret anyway, so there you go. Uh, the shy executive producer, uh, Ayanna Floyd, is the creator-writer of Douglas Medical. Yeah, I just want to say, I very much enjoyed that ball. Very, very good. We'll see if the next one can... Just for, for interest for anyone, uh, Famous Grouse, Smoky Black. A smoky version of the very cheap Famous Grouse. But also very cheap, because I'm not wasting my good stuff on this. We'll see how many more drinks you have to take. You may have to go to the good stuff if, if you go oh, through it. Don't worry, I, I got... I got good old bells here. A big <laughs> one litre bottle that cost me a whopping £16. 
I don't. I know that's cheap for booze, but to me that sounds extortionate to spend on a bottle of that, that, that a drink. is cheap. It is very cheap. Might actually be illegally cheap for you where you are, because <laughs> Scotland has minimum prices like you know, per like depending on the strength of the alcohol, it has like a minimum price per unit. This might at the, at this size of bottle and the and the units that it is might be not allowed to be sold for less than like twenty quid. Okay. Oh, okay. Fascinating. All right. Next up. Freeman is the title of the next show. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's centered around a family that moves to a small, picturesque town in Georgia after acquiring a lucrative inheritance, including the mysterious house known as Freeman Manor. It's soon discovered that there are mysteries and darkness hidden within the walls and the town at large that go back generations. I think you don't think you need to that Snowpiercer writer Adam Starks, uh, who worked with Plek on Vampire Academy, is the creator writer. So that's Freeman. And then Stay Gold is the next one. It's a romantic dramedy about a transgender teenager who begins his senior year of high school struggling to establish a new identity in the face of a new school and environment while trying to win the love of the girl of his dreams. It's based on a a Tobley Smith novel. Sorry, Tobley McSmith. Do you know what? Both those names are names that look other names because I thought it was Toby Smith. I was like, oh no, it's Tobley McSmith. Uh, yeah, so, there you go. I'll, I'll get my thoughts on the show, then question, okay, not for me, but sure, cool. Yeah? Two. Does the way that phrase, the school life, and then his, you know, and, and moving, you know, being this, this personal thing, count as personal and professional? Read, read that again, that back half of it. Establishing your identity in the face of school and environment while trying to win the love like the schooling identity feels like that's the professional like, yeah does yeah that count? like the way they've phrased it definitely fits into that mold that sounds like you're gasping for another drink to be honest it's a bit of a stretch but, but i could i could see kind of why you're trying to argue it i, I mean you're the final arbiter on this I okay mean, you, get, um, you, you made the call but like the, the the phrasing of it made me think i wouldn't say it as it didn't stick out to me as as falling into that trap okay no drink so and, and Let's be honest, I don't need an excuse to have a drink. If I want one, I'll just pour one. Um, and I, I'm all for using school to mean professional if, if it's a character of a you know a certain age. but Which this character is. Yes, but I yeah. wouldn't say it quite fits in this one. Uh, so McSmith is adapted this with Arrow co-executive producer Drew Greenberg. So you get an Arrow alumni. We've had Vampire Diaries, Vampire Academy, and Arrow involved in, in all of these shows so far. Yep. The final show. There's a reason, there's a reason these aren't for us, isn't yeah. it? The final show in this uh, this list is the This Savage Song, which is based on a novel by Victoria Schwab, uh, who will adapt alongside Plek. It is a romantic horror fantasy about two teens in a broken world where violent acts breed actual monsters. Uh, Gina Marcherchi uh, will executive produce alongside Plek and uh, Cummins. I actually really like the sound of that one. Hmm. Just on a conceptual level. Sure. That kind of sounds fun. Uh, these projects join Confessions of a Drug Addicted High School Teacher, based on an article by Jason Smith that reunites Plate with Paul Wesley, who's attached to Star and executive producer. So, yeah, so basically, it seems like after the success of the vampire shows, uh, Julie Plex got a, you know, a, 
a bit of cred and is developing a bunch of shows with different people. They were pretty successful shows, to be fair. So uh, that is the slate that uh, is coming out of it. So um, needless to say, it does sound like a whole host of things that I can just happily ignore because, well, I didn't find much appeal in the Vampire Diaries, so... Ignore until the patrons ask you to watch the pilots. Should I say, they? When I say ask, I mean demand. Should should they remember? But that's assuming there's not other more interesting things they actually want me to look at that month. Which is possible. That's true. We, do we have a home for all of these? No. The, the, any of them? The first one was Peacock, but the rest were all just in development. So Okay. Because a lot of these I can see on traditional network TV. CW and Freeform, I feel like, are the homes for most of them. <laughs> I agree. And should that be the case, they're coming out in typical pilot season. Mm-hmm. And that means the patrons have to pick and choose. Yeah, they can't get all of them. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's assuming, of course, that they all hit at the same time, which doesn't necessarily... That's assuming you know, any of them even actually get made. There's a lot of Fs, there's a lot of Fs. Yeah, so that was the last story, but I did actually want to put in the Emmy noms, at least some of the, the key categories. Uh, I was going to do it earlier in the show, but I forgot, so here it is at the end. Uh, this is, yeah, so we got the Emmy nominations this week. Uh, so we'll start, I'll just do them in order that they're in the Wikipedia, are the ones that I want to look at. Uh, Outstanding Comedy Series, the nominations are as follows. Abbott Elementary from ABC. Barry from HBO, which I've heard good things about. Tim Tim raves about Barry. I, I have heard some people saying it's their favourite show of all time. That is bold, but yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. good things about it. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm from HBO. Hacks from HBO. And for the record, HBO... Every time it mentions it is HBO slash HBO Max. I'm just going to say HBO. It includes HBO Max. Just roll with it. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, the Marvelous Miss Mazelle from Amazon Prime. Only Murders in the Building from Hulu. I guess that is the way you say it. <laughs> uh, Ted Lasso from Apple TV. Yeah. Go on, and Ted Lasso. What We Do in the Shadows from FX, which oh, interestingly, oh, oh. season four just started this week. So this will be season three that's actually been nominated. Maybe that's what I'll do after this. Maybe I'll go catch up on... See, this week I had planned to, to watch Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Or I could watch the two seasons of What We Do in the Shadows I need to do watch instead. Do both. I mean, I could do both. Stop slacking, do both. Um, well, here's the thing. There's a lot of classic Doctor Who I want to watch. Definitely don't do that. Uh, so as, as far as those commentary entries go, uh, you know, I'm personally a fan of what we do in the shadows and Ted Lasso. Uh, I do love Kirby Enthusiasm, but I've not seen its recent season or two, but you know, I suspect it's probably earned that. Uh, and I've heard good things about Barry. I like the first episode of Hacks. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've sampled about half these shows healthily enough. From just like my perception, you know, of browsing Twitter. Barry and Ted Lasso are the ones that are the, the two highest profile ones mm. that might win, I would say. Um, I could see that. Um, yeah. uh, Amazing Miss Maisel, is that it? Uh, that did well in its first season or two, didn't it? Yeah, that, that's won a couple, or at least it's definitely been nominated a lot. I think it maybe won one or two already as well. I, I think what's notable, notable to me is that there's only one traditional network show on that entire list. That's uh, the ABC show. The Which rest I've not heard of. Yeah, the rest are all... You know, there's three HBO noms in this category. Um, one Amazon, one Hulu, one Apple, and FX, I guess, is traditional cable, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way, but... I mean, so is HBO, to be fair. Oh, it's true, true. Yeah. Like, obviously, I, I'm not sure 
if any of those are actually HBO Max originals. Hack, uh, I think Hacks is, in Hacks okay, is Max, Hacks. I think, yeah. Which definitely falls more under the streaming side, but the other two HBO they, ones are they're kind of blurring. traditional cable. I feel like traditional cable and streaming though are blurring, because even FX like, goes straight to like Hulu now. Like, you know, there's a there's a lot of yeah, that's true. blurring of what's what now with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, worth mentioning that. Um, then we got Outstanding Drama Series, uh, as expected. Uh, Better Call Saul from AMC. Euphoria from, from HBO, which uh, I've heard is high quality. I, well, I've heard very good things about the first season, oh, and man. then and then I've heard it goes off the rails from ah. quite a few people. So that, that's interesting to see that being nominated. Uh, Ozark's final season from Netflix. We tried the first episode and did not like it. Thought it was a poor man's people Breaking Bad. People love the rest of that show, though. I know people people cheer about it. I did not like that first episode that much, but no, I thought it was very mediocre. Uh, Severance from Apple TV, which I'm actually I'm planning to go back and watch the rest of the season because I didn't quite get to finish it, but I really liked I what I saw. Uh, yeah. uh, was really into it and looking forward to season two. So uh, I'm going to go back and finish. I watched the first five out of. Let's say ten episodes. I think I've seen literally half of it. That's fair. I uh, my Apple Plus expired. I will prob I'll pick it up again when Ted Lasso comes out, and that's when I'll maybe catch up on some mm. other stuff like Severance, unless anything else hits in the meantime that I'm really interested in. Uh, next up, Squid Game from Netflix, which I believe marks the first time a foreign language show has been nominated in just best drama ever. Well, that's a crime because Dark should have been nominated. <laughs> uh, I think Squid Game deserves to be there. It is arguably the best season of. TV of the last year, arguably. Very strong claim, even with the arguably. I mean, so, so, at least you're allowing wiggle room. Out, out, of, out, of, certainly out of season ones, out of new shows. Oh, okay, our new shows. Definitely. That's a different question. Uh, obviously, if you compare it to you know, obviously established shows, it's, it gets a bit hairier to compare and compete. I, I, I'm definitely not undermining the fact that it deserves a nomination, though. Did you ever get around to watching it? I've seen the first episode, and then I got really busy, and I was like, okay, now I need... And it, I, I went three weeks after watching the first episode before I was going to watch the second, and I'm like, ah, I kind of just want to sit down and watch it all properly, and I just haven't got back to it yet. Uh, well, it's bloody excellent, I'll say that. I, I'm not disputing that. Uh, Stranger Things, probably just get in time with its most recent season. I'm surprised that made it in. I, I suspect that's only because of the first... Well, pe people, people speculated that part of the reason why they did the split and not just wait until it was all done is because they wanted to get some of it into the semi-season. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Uh, I mean, I'm happy because I like the split and I, I want it to be more split. You know, go weekly, Netflix, do it, you scum. Like I, say, I, I loved what they did with Arcane, where it was three episodes a week over three weeks. That was a step in the right direction for me. Uh, Succession from HBO, which I, I do hear people talk about a lot. Uh, people rave about that, and I definitely have that on my to-watch list. And then finally, Yellow Jackets from Showtime, which I've also I've heard that be specifically recommended to me. Uh, so it is something I'm considering if I've got time squeezing in maybe a, a viewing of the season. That's interesting. I'm not going to lie, for half a second there, when you were halfway through that, I thought you were going to say Yellowstone, and we were going to have the return of Yellowstone to this this podcast. Actually, what's funny, I saw an article on Deadline about how Yellowstone as a, a bouquet of shows has been pretty much snubbed. Uh, That's kind of surprising. Despite how popular it is, uh, which is interesting. It seems like awards bait as well, with a lot, you know, just mm, you know, the cast. period pieces, the cast. Not, not all of its period pieces, but you know, some of it. Yeah, no, this is, this is interesting. I mean, certainly, like, I can't argue with Better Call Saul on there. It is phenomenal. Uh, certainly, out of the uh, new shows, I think Squid Game and Severance are the ones that stick out to me. Stranger Things, 
I mean, I love it. I think it's really good at what it does. Uh, Honestly, the only surprise to me is Euphoria because I did not hear people like this recent season at all. Mm -hmm. Everyone I saw talking about it was really disappointed in it. Yeah. But maybe that's just the, the circles I see. But uh, that, that's the only one that surprises me in that list. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I think has been snubbed from the last year, but I, I'm trying to think back to... The like, Boys. Yeah, has that ever been nominated, though? Has that ever no, gone? I, I, I doubt it ever will be. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything that I would say it was snubbed but I, I, I'm honest I try to remember what I watched TV wise from like uh, summer to end of last year is yeah. difficult but yeah when was the last season of Dark oh that was way before that <laughs> was, was that that long ago oh yeah Dark was like two or three years ago at this point <laughs> no it wasn't it was the final season it was like 2020 at the latest god damn it it was <laughs> Time has no meaning anymore. Ah. Uh, yeah, total nonsense. Uh, all right, let's look into some other categories then. Uh, so, Outstanding Limited Series or Anthology Series, the, the nominations, uh, Hulu's got three of these ones. Uh, Dope Sick, The Dropout, and Pam and Tommy. Netflix has got Inventing Anna, and then HBO's got The White Lotus. That's the, the five limited or anthology series. Um, I, I saw the first episodes of Dropout and Inventing Anna, uh, neither were for me. Uh, they weren't terrible or anything, but neither were for me. Yeah, I actively avoided Pam and Tommy when I realized how kind of sketchy it was that you know, like they were actively asked, "Hey, don't don't do this story." Yeah, the fact and that then, uh, yeah anyway. Yeah, the fact that Pamela Anderson, I don't know if it was just her, or if it was both of them, said we'd, we'd, we'd rather this wasn't told and shown. Yeah, like the story's obviously out there in public knowledge anyway, but yeah. let's not glorify this and make it a TV show, please. And then they did it anyway as kind of just, just, just shitty, right? Yeah, it's a bit shitty, yeah. Even if, I haven't actually seen it, but even if the quality of it is good, which it might be, it's still a shitty move. Yeah, outstanding competition program we don't really care about, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll just move on. Um, uh, or talk show... Uh, or sketch show. The one I alluded to earlier with the, the nomination finally being recognized was uh, in Best Actress, I believe. Uh, yeah, I was just looking. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we'll let the acting ones in. Uh, I'll just do them in order here, though. So, lead actor in a comedy series, we've got Donald Glover for Atlanta. We got Bill Hader for Barry. We got Nicholas Holt for The Great. We got Steve Martin for Only Murderers in the Building. Uh, Martin Short for Only Murderers in the Building. Uh, and Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. So that is your lead actor in a comedy series. Uh, alternatively, in the actress side for comedy, you've got uh, Rachel uh, Brosnan for Marvelous Miss Mizell, uh Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary, Kelly Kyoko for The Flight Attendant. Is that a comedy? Yeah. I, I thought that was like a mystery drama, but okay. <laughs> um, Ellie Fanning for The Great... Uh, Isa Ray for Insecure and Gene Smart for Hacks. So that's your okay. Your your lead actresses for comedies, uh, and then you go down to the dramas. You got lead actor. You've got Jason Bateman for Ozark, Brian Cox for Succession, uh, Lee Jung Jae for Squid Game, which also is quite notable. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is. I mean, he's he's great on it. I mean, uh, again, I haven't seen enough to uh, you know give an opinion on that but it's just interesting even acknowledging a foreign language show is something but to specifically acknowledge acting i think is more interesting because that nuance tends to get a little bit lost in translation 
yeah. Uh, but no, it's exciting stuff. It's, it's nice to see a, a foreign language show that's good to get some recognition and break through the, the barrier, if you will, because... Yeah, it was kind of the same thing like when Parasite was nominated for all the awards, yeah. right, where it was, it was... Obviously, it was great that it won, but it was just nice to see it nominated for a lot of things just because it was like, okay, no, we can... We can have that now. It's funny because film nerds have been saying that Korea, South Korea, has been a great place for movies since like the early 2000s because that's when yep. like Chanwook Park was doing Old Boy and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and you had Save the Green Planet and just a variety of great movies. And it's just kind of funny that 20 years later, oh, like it's kind of like finally hitting the mainstream. They're like, oh, South Korea is making good shit. <laughs> What's yeah. happening here? Uh, so it's just nice time, right? Uh, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. Uh, absolutely deserved unsurprised Adam Scott for Severance uh, which is an interesting role he has to play in that because he's playing like two versions of the same character if, effectively uh, all so. the more reason to be nominated then I yeah. would say assuming he's good at both of them yeah because it's, it's more subtle differences because it's you know they may kind of effectively come from the same person but one has the memories of his life and the other one doesn't so it's kind of yeah. you know it's just an interesting uh, character to tackle I'd say and then Jeremy Strong for uh, Succession so that's outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the ones I've seen, like I can't dispute any of the ones they've picked. No, everything seems pretty fair there. Yeah. Uh, so now, good stuff. Uh, outstanding lead actress in a drama series. Uh, we've got Jodie Comer for Kelly and Eve. We got Laura Linney for Ozark. Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets. I didn't know she was in that. Uh, <laughs> We got Sandra O oh for Killing Eve, Reese Witherspoon for The Morning Show, and Zendaya for Euphoria. Uh, yeah, they're all pretty much as I expected, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. I learned that it's actually Zendaya, not Zendaya, which I was saying forever. Were you? Yeah, I used to say I, I didn't realize you were saying I, 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 I'm not sure I've, I've ever listened to you say it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but it is Zendaya, apparently. Uh that makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's both a, the Killing Eve nominations don't surprise me. There's a podcast I listen to occasionally. It was actually a wrestling podcast, but the, the host was doing some movie stuff for like Cineworld as well, and he was so worried about getting Zendaya's name wrong when he was interviewing her and Tom Holland that he got her, he got her name right and then completely butchered Tom Holland's name. How do you mess up Tom Holland's name? Yeah, um... And I mean, it was it was just kind of funny, and they had, they had a good joke about it. But it, like that, that's effectively, he was so worried about messing her name up that he ruined the the easy name. <laughs> yeah, how, how do you how do you get Tom Holland wrong? I, I can't even remember what the mistake. I was like Tom Dolland or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, where were we? So that was outstanding lead actress and a drama series. So outstanding lead actor in a limited or anthology. Uh, or or TV movie even so they bundle all these together. Uh, Colin Firth for the Staircase, Andrew Garfield for Under the Banner of Heaven, um, Oscar Isaac for Scenes from a Marriage, Michael Keaton for Dope Sick, uh, Himesh Patel for Station Eleven, and Sebastian Stan for Pam and Tommy. Uh, these are the ones that I have less likely to have seen when we get to these uh, limited and anthology yeah. series. I'm not even as familiar with some of those, mm. but. Most of the names there are ones that I recognize. Even if I'm not recognizing the project, they're names that I'm familiar with. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense that they get... If they, they did some sort of prestigious you know, TV project and it, it was awards bait, that, that makes sense. 
And then we got Outstandingly Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. Uh, Tony Collette for The Staircase. Uh, Julia Garner for Inventing Anna. Lily James for Pam and Tommy. Sarah Paulson for Impeachment, American Crime Story. Margaret Qual... Do you know what? I feel like it used to just be limited or movie, and they've added an anthology because things like American Crime Story were kind of muddy in the waters because each one was like its own limited series. So they've just said, no, it includes that too. That just blanket. It's kind of fair, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Margaret Qualley for Maid and Amanda Seyfried for The Dropout. Uh, so, cool. Again, mostly all... I'd say mostly there, they're like film actresses doing prestigious TV yeah. projects. Margaret Qualley being the exception there. Yeah, she feels like she's punching up a little bit. Uh, whereas the rest of all it taking a, a show to show themselves off a little bit. Um, yeah. What sticks out to me, there's Julia Garner for Inventing Anna, because I saw the first episode of that. And I'm not denying that it's technically a good performance. However, the voice she was doing in it for this, like, you know, absurd Anna character was giving me a lot of Tommy Wiseau, right? <laughs> right? And I'm not saying the performance is bad, but the accent she was doing and some of the, some of the, sometimes the way she would react to things, I was getting, like, Tommy Wiseau inflections, and it was it was distracting as hell to me because all I wanted to do was make fun of everything. But... I can understand that, but, but fair enough, fair enough, you know. Uh, yeah. I only saw one episode, maybe she knocks out some dramatic beats and stuff as the show goes on. Maybe it just gets less distracting as you get used to it. Uh, maybe. Maybe. But anyway, uh, then support performances, I'll just run through these quickly. Uh, for comedy series actor, we've got uh, Anthony Carrigan for Barry, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso, uh, Tahib Jamo for Ted Lasso, uh, that's Roy and Sam. Uh, respect. Oh, and we've got another one. Uh, Nick Mohammed for uh, Ted Lasso. That's Nathan. <laughs> we've got three Ted Lasso supporting actors in there. Well uh, deserved. Uh, Tony... Sh- I may question Nathan slightly. Just, uh, fine. Just slightly, because I feel like the, the Nathan story in season two was one of the, the, the shakier elements. But that wasn't his acting that was the problem with that. No, 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 but... I just, you know, I just, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, Roy Stuff's gold, though. Oh, yeah. It's Goldstein. Yeah. Who I have I've seen, uh, no spoilers for any specifics, but has, uh, has, has joined the uh, the Marvel universe recently. Ah. Uh, Tony Shalib for Marvelous Miss Mazel. Uh, Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary. Henry Winkler uh, for Barry. And uh, Bowen Yang for Saturday Night Live as various characters. I didn't realize that I could be in there, but okay, sure enough. Why not, right? She uh, turned in good performances. Uh, okay, okay. So Ted Lasso sort of mopping up there. It's got a big cast, so it's got a lot of chances, I suppose, in, in a way to, it does, to do yeah. it. Uh, so, because that's not even all the supporting male actors. You, you, there's another like four or five you could easily say are just as equally valid as a, in terms of screen time at least, uh, maybe not the performances, which is why they're not here, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, standing actress, supporting actress in a comedy series. You've got uh, Alex Borstein for Marvelous Miss Mizell. A lot of nominations for that as well. I'm noticing. Uh, it usually does get quite a lot. Hannah Einbinder for Hacks. Uh, Janelle James for Abbott Elementary. Kate McKinnon for Saturday Night Live as various characters. Uh, Sarah Niles for Ted Lasso. Uh, that's the oh, it's the therapist uh, Sharon. That makes sense. Yeah. I, was, I thought I recognised that name, but that's because she was, she was the doc all season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Cheryl Lee Ralph for Abbott Elementary. That's another one for that. Uh, Juno Temple for Ted Lasso. That's another one. And then Hannah uh, Weddingham for Ted Lasso. 
So that's uh, Keely so and three Rebecca. Each, uh, three each for Ted Lasso in supporting. Supporting. So obviously Ted gets the, the, the lead actor, because he's the only one that could be called that, and then everyone else gets supporting noms. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That's uh... Basically what we're saying is, you should probably watch Ted Lasso if you haven't already. It's mopping up, apparently, yeah. Is, um, if I was picking from the, the supporting actors, I'd pick Roy. I'd pick uh, Brett yep. Goldstein. And from the ladies' side... Gina Temple. Yeah. I could be, I could be convinced with Rebecca. but for, for It's closer between all three of them, if I'm honest. Yeah. But, but okay, I can... For me, yeah. Joe, you know I'll say this. If Sadekis gets it for lead actor, he got it because of the phone call. That's what I'm going to say it right now. If he wins Best Actor in a Comedy, he got it because of the phone call. And if you've watched season two of Ted Lasso, you'll know what the phone call is. I'd say that and maybe the uh, stuff with the panic attacks. Sure. I mean, they're related, but yeah. They are related, but specifically like those those yeah. moments. All right. <clears throat> Uh, supporting an actor in a drama series, we got uh, Nicholas Braun for Succession, Billy Caldrup for The Morning Show, Kieran Culkin for Succession. There's a Culkin in there? There's a Culkin on that show? They're everywhere. Uh, Matthew McFadden for Succession, uh, Oh Young Soo for Squid Game, so that's another Squid Game uh, nomination. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to remember. It's hard to remember the character names because obviously it's all Korean names. I'm trying to remember yeah. which character that is. I'm just going to Google it, just so that I know which one it is, because it's bugging me that right, I don't. fine. There's another Squid Game coming up as well, actually. Uh, Park, Park K. Su uh, for Squid Game as well, who played Cho Sang-woo. Uh, you just, just getting up the IMDb page. Ah, it's, it's the old man. It's the, yeah, I thought it was the old man. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah he was good, he was good. Uh, so two, two supporting noms for uh, Squid Game there. Uh, John Turturro for Severance. Uh, I didn't realize he was in that. He's in yeah. Uh, also, Christopher Walken for Severance. Didn't realize he was in that. Like, can you tell I've not watched Severance? Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's some surprising big names uh, that pop up. Because uh, I, I knew about Adam Scott. I'm like, okay, that's the level I was expecting. Well, fair enough. Outstanding supporting actress in a drama series. You've got Patricia Arquette. Okay. So that's for Severance. Uh, Julia Garner for Ozark. Uh... And she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for a limited series as well, right? For is that that's, that's also Julia Garner for Inventing Anna? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll make... um, yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, I was just I was just checking. Uh, Ho Young Jung for Squid Game. So that's another actor known for Squid Game. We had a lot of uh, respect. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, Christina Ricci for Yellow Jacket. I didn't know she was in that. <laughs> Me either. Uh, Rhea Seahorn for Better Call Saul. That's the one I was on about earlier. That's her first nomination for Beckle Soul. That's madness. That's insane, given how phenomenal she's been on that show. The at, the, at, the, at the very least, I think the last like three seasons, she's deserved nominations. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Uh, you got Jay Smith Cameron for Succession, Sarah Snook for Succession, and Sydney Sweeney for Euphoria. Who I know that actress because she was on one season of Handmaid's Tale we did. Was she? Yeah, she was... Uh, Next new young wife. Oh, okay. Sure, that was her. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, outstanding supporting actor in limited anthology or TV movie: uh, Murray Bartlett for The White Lotus, Jake Lacey for The White Lotus, uh, Will Poulter for Dope Sick, Seth Rogen for Pam and Tommy. 
Peter Skarsgård for Dopesick, Michael Stolberg for Dopesick, or Steve Zahn for The White Lotus. So White Lotus and Dopesick with one Pam and Tommy thrown in there for a bit of yep. mix. Uh, then supporting actress in the same category, you got Connie Britton for White Lotus, Jennifer Coolidge for White Lotus, Alexander Daddario for White Lotus. There's <laughs> uh, Kate- a trend here. Caitlin Deaver for Dopesick. Natasha Rothwell for The White Lotus. Cindy Sweeney again for The White Lotus. <laughs> so that's five White Lotus nominations and, in that category alone. And we're winging him for Dopesick. So that's two Dopesicks and five White Lotuses for supporting actress in an anthology TV movie or series. Well, it, does, uh, it makes me question how valid like some of these like limited series categories are when you're filling it up with like five things from the same show or movie. You know? Yeah. I, I guess not a lot of choice this year. Yeah, but doesn't that mean that when we get to just, like, what's the best limited series or anthology... That it's one of these, yeah. It has to be White Lotus or Dopesick because they've been nominated in all the acting categories for everything. Unless, just, like, even though the acting is phenomenal, one of the other shows is better in direction, it's better in cinematography, it's better in everything else. Yeah, and White Lotus has a pretty big cast of notable names that i'm reading this list because it, it does now that you've, you've mentioned a lot of these names i'm like i had no idea any of these were in this yeah uh so there you go fancy fancy that uh so directing uh we got comedy series we got um this is interesting because they submit a specific episode so i wouldn't really get into what those episodes are unless we've seen the show and know it but uh atlanta uh hero mirai has a nomination uh bill hader for barry Obviously, he's also the star, so it's kind of neat mm-hmm. that he's getting a direction no- uh, nomination. Uh, Lucia Anelio for Hacks. Uh, Mary Lou Bell for The Miss Pat Show. That's a, a BET show. Uh, Only Murders in the Building. Uh, that's uh, Sherian Dabis uh, to get nominated for that. Uh, Jamie Babbitt for Only Murders in the Building. And M.G. Delaney for Ted Lasso, which is uh, No Weddings and a Funeral. Uh... Which, you know, that's not, I, don't, I don't know if that's close to my favourite episode of the season, but fair enough, you know, if that's what they're like, nominated. What they chose, yeah. It's what they chose to submit. Uh, mainly because I think the whole singing part of it, I won't spoil anything, but I would say it was a little bit TV contrived compared to most Ted Lasso writing. That's fair, but also TV contrived is not necessarily out of place on the, the tone of the show. Mm, I suppose, I suppose. And to be fair, it's been nominated for directing rather than writing in this case. So, arguably, that's irrelevant. But t- typically speaking, you know, like the, the two go, go together in my head, and I remember a good episode overall, and then think about why it's good, as opposed to, oh, this is a good episode or with with bad direction. It's, it's unusual or, to see good directing in spite of bad yeah, writing. Yeah, and that was a bad episode, but just not higher that's ranking uh, in the season. Anyway. Uh, directing the drama series, we've got Jason Bateman for Ozark. We got Ben Stiller for Severance, who directed the, the certainly the first two episodes, uh, maybe more later in the season as well. Um, Squid Game, uh, Huang Dong Hyuk uh, get nominated, and the, the direction in that show is phenomenal. So I'm like, I'm not surprised it's been mm. it's gotten that as well. Uh, Mark uh, Milloyd for Succession. Kathy Yan for the disruption. Uh, sorry, sorry for for succession. That is <laughs> the disruption is the name of the episode. Uh, and then succession has got a second nomination as well for uh, Lorraine uh, Scarfaria uh, for an episode of succession. So 
Um, hmm. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure that you could have two. I guess if they're by different directors. Yeah, there's lots of different directors. Because uh, there's one in comedy as well. Uh, Murders Left in the Building uh, have one yeah. each as well. Uh, so, fair enough. And then finally, you've got Karen Kusama for Yellow Jackets. And Karen Kusama is a phenomenal movie director. So this, that, Joe, that, this almost feels unfair because she's like did the invitation and she's great. And I'm like, yeah, all these TV directors try to... Has, uh, has all of this made you more interested in watching Yellow Jackets? It has, yeah. Honestly, seen some nominations. And obviously, the fact that it's been recommended to my tastes right, is also a good sign. Sure, there's that anyway, but then seeing the actual praise across the board. Okay, like okay. This. Karen Kusama's name certainly does make me go, oh, hello. Um, yeah. and, and to be fair, Ben Stiller's directed some good movies as well, before anyone you know yells at me for that. Like, I know he has. Cable Guy, I actually think, is an underrated movie. So, you know. And Dodgeball's a good comedy. It's a great comedy. It's not holding up to like, the invitation movie to movie, but it's yeah, it's a good comedy. Uh, uh, if you want me to put one on right now, though. I mean, I'll put it this way. I think Ben Stiller's uh, direction and severance is better than anything I've seen from his direction in movies. That's fair. The premise sort of lends itself to being very inventive as to how you have to portray it and keep everything like coherent Fresh. and stuff, you know? Because uh, it could get confusing with the, you know, the, the premise, but uh, and then directing in a limited anthology or TV movie, you got uh, Danny Strong for Dope Sick. Danny Strong! Hmm. Is this the same Danny Strong who portrayed Jonathan in the hit television show? Buffy the really Vampire Slayer? Well, his name's clickable, so let's click on find out. It is! It is Danny God. Strong! <laughs> the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I love how I'm becoming uh, Tweety Pie with... Is that someone from Buffy the Vampires? It is someone from the television show Buffy the Vampires. <laughs> it is, it is someone. I thought I saw a pretty cat. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. uh, there we go. Michael Showalter for The Dropout. Uh, Francesca uh, Gregor- Gregorini for The Dropout. So Dropout's got a couple there. Uh, John Wells for Maid. Uh, Hiro Mirai for Station Eleven. And that director got an arm on and one of the other uh less yeah. yeah for was Atlanta. One, yeah for Atlanta yeah. in the comedy section. Uh, so cool. Um and then finally Mike White for the White Lotus. Did they hire him for his name? I have really hoped so. Did they say you're perfect for this? Uh and then writing, which arguably is even more important than TV uh, land. Yeah. Uh well, this is our last section for the record. Uh so comedy series, you've got uh Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary for the pilot. You've got Duffy Bordeaux or Budro for Barry, as well as Bill Hader for Barry separately for for different episodes. Uh, it's worth mentioning because you, know, you can get nominated each for one episode. Uh, we got Lucia Anello with Paul W Downs and Jen Statsky for Hacks, so they all wrote an episode together. You got Steve Martin and John Hoffman for an episode of Only Murders in the Building. You've got Jane Becker for Ted Lasso for no weddings and a funeral. So I do dispute that a little bit. I don't think that's the best writing of the season. But uh, I think the episode that ends with a phone call, which is the one with Jamie's dad at the football game, is the episode. I think that's the episode of the yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad it's not that horrible episode. There was the, the filler one with Beard, the After Hours one. Hated uh, that episode. Hated I, I did it. not hate that as much as other people, but I understand why people didn't like the, it. The other fellow episode, which they did later, the Christmas one, was hilarious. So I had no problems with Love that. Love that one. Yes. Uh, the smell in the kid's breath. I won't spoil anything else. I'll just say that. Perfecto. Yeah. Uh, 
Right, anyway. Uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, Sarah uh, Naftales, I believe that name is. Uh, for, oh, and it's the right episode. It's the casino. Yes. Yes. Best episode of the season, of season three of what we do in the shadows. Oh, I'm very excited to get to it. Uh, let's just say you'll be glad that the Big Bang Theory exists because of this episode. <laughs> I'm assuming you mean the Big Bang Theory is the TV show. Yes, not the concept of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> in general, I'm pretty glad. That yeah, the we're all glad that happens. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but what we do in the show is it's a second nomination. Uh, Stefani Robinson for the Wellness Center. So, yeah. Also yeah. a good episode, but uh, Casino is my favorite episode uh, this season. Uh, Rating for a drama series, we've got uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, it's Tomish Schnoz, specifically. Um, and it is from, obviously, this first chunk. It's for Plan and Execution, which was the final episode before the break. And yes, it was the best one of that that batch. Yeah. So, fair, fair enough. Uh, Ozark, uh, Chris Mundy. Severance, uh, Dan Erickson. Uh I, I don't know if I got to that episode. I don't recognize the title. But then again, I wasn't necessarily Paying reviewing all of them. The yeah. So, uh, Squid Game, One Lucky Day, uh, Huang Dong Hyuk. Uh, Succession, Jesse Armstrong. Uh, for Yellow Jackets, uh, Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. Uh, for an episode called F Sharp. And then for Yellow Jackets again, Pilot, which is Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. So maybe it doesn't have to be different people. Hmm. They just got two in. They, they they managed to submit both. Very interesting. Yeah. I didn't think they could do that, honestly. I wonder I wonder what the rules are specifically then about submitting specific episodes. Um Alright. Uh rating for a limited anthology or TV movie. Uh you've got Dopesick, which is Danny Strong. Of course. Key up Move on. reference. Move uh, it on. Elizabeth Merriweather for the dropout. We got uh Sarah Burgess for impeachment. Molly Smith Mazier for Maid. Uh, sorry, I said Molly Smith Meltzer is what I meant to say there, not Mazier, uh, for Maid. Uh, Station Eleven is Patrick Somerville, and then Wait Lotus, Mike White. Uh, again. Uh, there you maybe, go. Maybe he created the show and he named it after himself. I'm starting to feel that way, to be honest. Uh, so that is he all is the, the, you know, the categories that we care about. And uh, I'll just say some of the stats, because they are a bit interesting. You know, what got the most... Uh, you know, things. So, most nominations show-wise is Succession with 12. And then, yeah, and then second is The White Lotus. And I would say it's impressive that Succession won because I feel like the, uh, the limited series had an advantage. White Lotus had had at least eight in just acting alone. Exactly. In fact, they had like four in one category at one, or five in one category at one point. I think it was a five and a three. So, which almost to me says I'd like to see these stats without the limited series, just because I feel like they've, they've got like an advantage almost of like not being as crowded in some categories. But yeah, uh, but that's got Waylos has got eleven. Uh, Ted Lasso then with ten. Uh, Dobsick yeah, yeah. with nine, which similar to Waylos, you know, had a bit of an advantage yeah. in some places. Uh, tied with seven, we have Barry, Severance, and Squid Game, which is an interesting. That's fair. Interesting mix. Uh, then with six, we got Abbott Elementary, Only Murders in the Building, Ozark, and Yellow Jackets. And then five, we have The Dropout and Hacks. And then with four, we got Better Call Saul, Marvelous Miss Mazelle, Pam and Tommy, and Saturday Night Live. Uh, anything and... have just one? That's a good question. I'll go down at the end. Because I think that's more interesting at this point. Oh, it doesn't tell me. It just it stops with all the twos. 
Unless there wasn't any with this one. Either there wasn't any, or they've just not bothered because they didn't think anyone would care. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, it's, it's an interesting mix. Uh, when are the Emmys? Do you know? Uh, September. I don't know the exact day in front of me, but September. Oh, that's fun. Uh, so, cool. Uh, shows with five or more total nominations. Oh, so that first thing I was looking at was just major nominations. Shows with okay, five wait. or more total nominations. Succession has 25. Oh, okay. What's that first table about then? I guess it's like categories rather than nominations themselves? Maybe. Let's not go through minor nominations. Oh. We'll be here all night. Well, there's just total nominations, but you've got Succession with 25, Ted Lasso and White Lotus with 20, Hacks with Only Murders in the Building with 17, Euphoria has 16, uh, Squid Game has 14. Okay. That still seems to pretty much line up in roughly the order they were. It's a similar order, yeah, so I'm not really sure what the distinction between those are. I will say, just to rank the networks here, HBO came out way on top uh, with 50. I'm not surprised. They've got Succession, they've got uh, Hacks, they've got Euphoria. What else have they got? Those, those are the three off the top of my head. Uh, what else do they have? They have Succession, they have, I think they have The Weight Lotus as well. That was oh, theirs. Oh, was that them as well? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Barry, HBO. Oh, Barry, of course. Yeah, Barry. So that, that's all their heavy hitters. Uh, Hulu came in second with 26. Then Netflix with 22. Uh, Apple TV Plus with 19. So Apple, given that it's only a couple of years old, Apple TV Plus is... Uh... That's probably just Ted Lasso and Severance. Oh, the, the morning show had, had one or two. I had one or two, well. yeah. But mostly Ted Lasso and Severance. Because uh, after that, you go all the way down to nine for ABC. You know, the, the, the traditional networks... Which pretty not... much all of them will be that uh, Abbott something, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, FX has got eight. CBS and NBC have seven... I think that's for stuff like Saturday Night Live and the variety and game yeah. shows. Like that's that's not the dramas and the comedies by and large, because uh, like you said, the only network show was that comedy from ABC. Um, yeah. So Prime's quite low down, um, but Prime yeah. will be just Mr. Maisel, right? Yeah, yeah, that's all they've got really that's getting awards. But Apple's keeping up with Netflix and Hulu. If anything, I'm surprised that Netflix is still getting as much as it is. I guess that's just Ozark uh, and I think Invent and Anna kind of like propping up because obviously. Oh, and Squid Game, yeah, yeah, Squid Game, yeah. So I'll be curious to see how they do next year when some of these things aren't there. Because Ozark's yeah. done. Uh, Squid Game won't be out this year. Uh, I don't pr- think. Probably not. I mean, it's got until, going by the, when this cutoff was this year, it's got until next, like, May. Yeah, it, so. it does, but I'll be surprised still. Yeah, I know. I know we didn't mention it at the start of the show, but Netflix has another event in like September, their Tudum event. Oh, two. Obviously, they, they had their, they had their Geeked weekend, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, they've mm. got another one in September, late September, I think. Um, so maybe they'll announce Squid Game there if they've got it. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I didn't realize that the Emmys would add on almost forty minutes of extra. Sure. Not at all. If I did, I'd have insisted on going to the toilet in the middle of all that. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, we're almost done. It's fine. I'll wait. Yeah. It got more interesting, to be honest, to talk about. It's made me want to watch Yellow Jackets and Barry, to be honest. Like, that's that's what reading through those is. It's it's reminded me I want to watch Succession as well. Sure. Yeah. But you need to watch Severance and Squid Game. 
I told you, Severance is when I next pick up Apple, which will be either Ted Lasso at the latest or if something else catches my attention before that. Mm. Well, there you go. There's the 74th Primetime Emmy Awards. Uh, next year's the big one. Yeah. Well, I had to, because when I searched Emmys on Wikipedia, it gave me like four options because there's like daytime Emmys, there's like sport Emmys and stuff. I was like, no, no, no. What's the one that we actually care about? I was like, oh, it's Primetime. The, re- the regular important ones. Yeah. It's prime t- of course, it's Primetime. It would have yeah. to be Primetime. Uh, there's sports Emmys, daytime Emmys, and international Emmys. Uh, all this year. These are all stuff that's happening this year. I'm sure they are. Yes. There's also daytime creative arts and lifestyle Emmys and creative arts. Was that just oh primetime creative arts? Okay. I don't care about any of these. I don't care about any of those either. Um, they, the the sports happened already in May, so they've already had winners and stuff. Okay, fascinating. <laughs> uh, outstanding live sport. I just look at the category for a second to see what they are. Outstanding live sports series. That's a weird award. Like, so 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 what just was for, nominated for that. Just, so, just so, in context. So, so the winner was Monday Night Football. Right, okay, which is on ESPN, and then the other nominees were Fox College Football on Fox, Fox MLB, NFL and CBS, and Sunday Night Football, which basically just means like, arbit- sport. What's well, not even pick a sport because three of them are football and two of them are, uh, well, at least one baseball in there. Well, one, yeah, baseball. one baseball and one. Right, there's four football. It's one. It's one baseball and four American football. Well, one was college football though, right? Okay, separate that, but the other three, like, so NFL and CBS, Sunday Night Football, which is NBC, and then Monday Night Football, which is on ESPN 2, yeah. apparently. Uh, those are all just the same leagues, just whatever games happen to be on a Monday or a Sunday or whatever the other night. This other is one's a on. stupid award series. It does. What I agree. Do like, who has the best presenters? Is that the point here? Uh, maybe, yeah, I guess maybe that's the point because it's about the broadcast side of it. So it's about the the presenters and the presentation as opposed to the actual like the games. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Ah, who cares? <laughs> I don't think sports people care that much. I mean, yeah, like outstanding sports documentary. That one I understand. Yeah, I, I, I can understand. And and I'm not saying for that. that for the record, I'm not saying that different like sports broadcasters don't put in effort and do work and don't deserve their own like little recognition but as a generally speaking do people care do sports fans who watch these various things do they care which one is winning awards i imagine it's a smaller event than the actual i mean it's just my uh yeah i would assume so just my guess um and the daytime Emmys is all soaps and talk shows but it looks at it <laughs> just for a quick glance yeah. uh so there you go that is this week's uh Turned out to be relatively supersized TV news. Uh, so you are a guest welcome. <laughs> I guess you are. Um, coming up this week uh, on the channel, let me just get my uh, schedule. Obviously, there'll be a, a classic uh, Star Trek. In fact, actually, publicly, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the first review of that is up this week coming up. Um, oh, it's already up for patrons, of course, because patrons get it early at the $5 tier. Plug, plug. But... Uh, the, the first Deep Space Nine review will be up on Wednesday for everyone else. Uh, so that's kind of exciting, you know? So check out that. Um, there's nothing starting this week from a glance, but obviously we'll have the next Better Call Saul review up sometime during the week. 
Um, myself and Tara will be back to doing classic Twilight Zone. We're just recording the first one this weekend, so it'll be up for patrons this coming week. It'll be the following week before it's actually up publicly weekly again. But uh, that's not coming back because now we've got no new Star Trek to review. Uh, and of course, we'll have our classic Babylon 5 review up this week as well, as per usual. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there you go. That is uh, what's coming up TV-wise, and of course, over on Mailfuzz Movies. Uh, myself and Tim on Streams After Midnight just did... Uh, Hellraiser 9. Hellraiser Revelations. Nine. And it was made in a few weeks to keep the rights to Hellraiser IP. So well, it's one of those. Okay. Yeah. So that was a rough time. Um so that that's just went up on the movie channel. And uh, next week we'll have our bonus episode for patrons. Uh on the Atomic Cinema Experiment, uh we've got Crimes of the Future coming up in the next couple of days. Uh David Cronenberg's new film, so that's quite interesting. Maybe want to go check out that. Uh, last movie we did was Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise, so it might be of interest too. Uh, so that's all my plugging. I'm done. Go to Patreon, like, subscribe, ding the bell, notifications, all that stuff. Uh, that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us for your weekly TV news. We'll see you next time. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?